Happy Mother's Day, everyone. For all the mothers that are... Honk your horn if there's a mother in your car. Praise God. Praise God for all those moms out there. As a matter of fact, we praise God for everybody out there today. We're excited about what God is doing, and it's a beautiful day that God has made for us. We're going to dedicate our message today to mothers. And the title of the message is, This Means War. Everybody say that with me, This Means War. I heard somebody, let's, let's all try it one more time. You ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. This means war. <laughs> well, our, our focus will be on David, but one of the scriptures described David as a mother. In 2 Samuel 17 and 8, it says, You know your father and his men, they are mighty warriors. Now they are as enraged as a mother bear who has been robbed of her cubs. How many of you know that when you get, when you get between mama and her children, you got to fight on her at your hands? Nobody gets mad like mama gets mad. I remember uh, a couple of stories I want to share with you about mothers. I remember reading an article about a mother, her, her son was underneath a car working on it when the jack gave way and it fell on top of him and that mother was so frantic there were people standing around they didn't know what to do mama grabbed a hold of the bumper and lifted the car up off of him and hollered at those standing around to pull him out when there's something that happens inside of us when we're at that point where we have to have help and we need God to rescue and it, it seems like no one else is around that we get that mentality in us that this means war and we're going to rise up to the occasion and go to battle for it. There was a story about a couple that were out in a national park, I believe it was called Bear Creek National Park, and they had their granddaughter with them and their window was open in the front and their granddaughter was sitting at the table playing and they didn't see the mountain lion outside their trailer but the lion saw the two-year-old he leaped through the window and started to maul the two-year-old the grandfather stood in shock but grandma Took, made her way to the front of that trailer, grabbed a butcher knife on her way and plunged it into that mountain lion's heart and killed it right there because nobody messes with mama's babies. When the scripture describes David as a mother bear robbed of her cubs, what they're saying about him is there was an intensity to David that if you backed him in a corner, he wasn't going to capitulate and he wasn't going to give in or give up. He was going to trust in God and you had war on your hands. Now, we need to understand, how many of you in this parking lot today have made a this Christ? If you have, honk your horn one time. So this is what I want you to understand is that if you've made a commitment to Christ, you're in the middle of a war. 
say, Pastor Rick, what are you talking about? The devil isn't going to roll over and play dead. You didn't give him near the problem that when, when you were living in the world, as, but now you are a threat to him, and that ought to make you excited. That ought to make you thank God that the devil knows that he's got a battle on his hands. I thought about David and David's life, and I'd like to talk a little bit about David today. David, what you need to understand is this, is that God sought out David before anybody else did. When David was no more than a boy on a hillside, God sought him out. Before David had slayed the giant, David had become one of the top ten songs on Israeli's pop chart. God had already sought him out because God saw something in him that no one else did. We don't live our life today according by what we think other people think about us. We don't even live our life according to what our own perception is of ourselves because our emotions can mess with us. But what we need to do is live our life according to what he said about us. And David was holding on to something before he faced Goliath, before he fought the Philistines. David had a word spoken over him. God had touched his life and put a purpose in his heart. I hope you understand today that God's got a purpose for your life. That God has a plan for you and that you're not called to slip into the corner somewhere and just wait until he comes back so we can slip out of this place. But God has called us to power. I talked about it last week in Ephesians 3 and 20 when it says, Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So we've got to let it get to work in us, don't we? We have to let God be God. David's life, he knows he's anointed a king, but how many of you had his hand on your life and you have to face battle? How many of you have ever experienced knowing, look, I know I'm a child of God, but you have trials and troubles that you have to go I remember I was on a mission trip one time and I was, I'd taken a group into Mexico and I had a young man with me and through the trip, some things had, you know, had gone wrong and for him personally, he, you know, he'd, he'd been driving and he kind of scared everybody in the vehicle and then there were some other things that had happened and, and he just got so depressed and so down and he was walking around and he had his head hung down, man, and he just was saying, I just don't understand it, I don't understand it. And so his name was Joy. I said, Joy, I want to talk to you. And I took him aside and I said, Joy, you need to understand something. This comes with the territory. I said, every time we go on a mission trip, I understand that there's going to be a battle. And when you get that in your head and you understand that, comes, you don't run from it. You stand up and face it and say, God, here I am. Use me so that you can win the battle. 
This means war. Everybody say war. Now, how many of you would come up and run to hug someone that had a knife like this in their hand? Oh, it got quiet. <laughs> but you understand that there's something you say, well, pastor, I can't believe you carried that up there with you. Do you plan on throwing that down? No. And if I drop it, I hope nobody's standing underneath me. What I'm saying is this, is that I do carry a sword. This one. <laughs> and the Bible said that this one, this one is sharper than this one. So if you would be afraid to run up and just try and tackle someone with a knife like that in their hand, do you understand that if you carry the word of God, that the devil has an awesome foe that he has to contend with? You're not a pushover, but you are a warrior of the cross. This means war. David knew he'd been anointed king, but when you follow his life, you know what happens. David ends up, man, David is go, goes up, he shoots in up the ladder quickly. He becomes the captain of King Saul's entire army. Not only is he the captain of his army, but he's his, he's his personal counselor. If you will, David becomes the only one that's able to deal with the tormenting spirit that Saul feels. And it's only when David plays his harp that Saul can find peace. Do you understand every battle isn't fought with this kind of weapon? David knew how to touch the heart of God. David knew how to worship. And so at the end of David's life, when he begins to talk to us it said these be the last words of David and it doesn't say the mighty king of Israel or it doesn't start out with the giant slayer it says the psalmist of Israel that individual that knew how to worship God and because he knew how to worship God it caused others to be willing to follow him but just because there's the promise of God on your life doesn't mean that it won't be contested it doesn't mean that you won't find yourself engaged in a battle. As a matter of fact, I can assure you today that if the promise of God is on your life, and I believe it is, you can rest assured that there's going to be a war. But that's all right, because God has equipped us for this battle. David finds himself running from Saul. He's fleeing Saul. He goes from being Saul's confident to now Saul becomes jealous and he begins to hunt him down like he's a wild animal. He takes 3,000 men trying to hunt down David. Now you would if, if, I, if, if there was someone in that kind of situation, I wouldn't want to connect with them. I'd want to stay as far away from them as I can. But the Bible said that there were 600 men that were in debt, discontent, and in that joined themselves to David. How many, of you, how many of you have ever been discontent? Honk your horn. All right. How many of you have ever been in despair? Honk your horn. How many of you have ever been in debt? Honk your horn. <laughs> We've all been there, haven't we? 
and we would say from those qualifications, we would think, well, man, nobody would even want us around, and who could we possibly join ourselves to? But the, do you understand, David's not just another king. David is a man that's after God's own heart, and God's got a heart for people that are in despair, discontent, and in debt. He wants to turn their life around. He wants to change things for them, and that's why they gravitated toward David. He flees from Saul. You know his story. He ends up, at one day, he finally ends up going into another country called Gath. He's thinking, Saul's going to one day find me. He'll kill me. And so he feels like there's nothing I can do. There's nothing else that, that, that I know to do. And so he, he flees and he goes into that country and he stays there for years. He's not there for just a few months, but he's there for years because King Achish ends up taking David with him to a battle. Everybody say, this is war. And so what he does is they're getting ready to fight the Philistines and Achish tells David, I want you to come with me. And, and David's ready to go and he's ready to fight. And when the Philistines see him, because this time he's not supposed to fight against the Philistines, he's supposed to fight beside them. But the Philistines don't trust it because they knew that David would never turn his back on God. And so they make him at home. It goes home. He finds a city called Ziklag burned with fire. It was his city given him. He goes in and all of his sons are gone. His daughters are gone his wives are gone and not just that but the city is a and his own men begin to talk about stoning him and while others were looking in despair and their hearts as a matter of fact the scripture said that the people wept and they had no more power to weep and while everyone's crying all of a sudden in my mind's eye I see David getting alone with God and getting mad at the enemy. I can see him going, wait a minute. I was anointed to be the king of Israel. And the devil's trying to rob from me what God said was mine. And so the Bible said that David encouraged himself in his God. And when he did and he grabbed that sword, 600 men were dropping rocks and picking up swords saying, David, I am with you. This is a time for the body of Christ to unite together. We're not in battle with each other. We are one army. And we're fighting this war together. Everybody say it with me. This means war. This means, can you hear me now? All right. This means war. Do you know what that did when I saw her come up beside me like that? It's a good thing I recognized who she was before it was too late. <laughs> I'm telling you that we have to... Get to the point where we're not allowing the enemy to dictate to our victories. That we're saying in our hearts and to ourselves that if God be for me, who can be against me? I want to, I want to read Psalms 18, 4 through 7 to you. This is from the Living Bible. This is David speaking. 
And what you're going to hear is the heart of a warrior, but the heart of a warrior that knew he had to have God to win the battle. He says, death bound me with chains and the floods of ungodliness mounted a massive attack against me. Trapped and helpless, I struggled against the ropes that drew me on to death. In my distress, I screamed to the Lord for his help and he heard me from heaven. My cry reached his ears. Then the earth rocked and reeled and mountains shook and trembled. How they quaked for he was angry. <laughs> you think mama loves her babies? You think mama's going to protect her children? Do you understand that mama's compassion and feeling comes from God? And God so surpasses what we can possibly feel. His love for us is so great that David said, when I cried to him, the very earth started shaking because God was angry at what the enemy was trying to do to me. Do you understand that you are not alone? That the battle's not yours, but it belongs to God? That's why David was able to look at Goliath and say, You come to me with a shield, a spear, and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He told the giant, The battle's not mine, it's the Lord's. And Goliath was no match for David's God. In Psalms 18, verses 33 to 30. 6 and verse 39 this is the amplified this is david speaking again about him being about god equipping him for the war everybody say i'm equipped i'm ready god has prepared me now listen to what david says he makes my feet like hind's feet able to stand firmly and tread safely on the paths of testing and trouble he sets me securely upon my high places. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand upholds and sustains me. Your gentleness, your gracious response when I pray makes me great. You enlarge the path beneath me and make my steps secure so that my feet will not slip. For you have encircled me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. This isn't a day for you to hang your head down and say, God, what am I going to do? This is a day for you to raise your hands and say, this means war. This means that God has equipped me, that God has prepared me, that God has given me everything I need to win this battle. And the sword that I'm holding up is not one that's been made by man's hands, but it's the word of God itself that's able to stop every foe and defeat every enemy. When we stand on the promise of his word somebody say it with me this means war <laughs> so David gets encouraged and his men look at him and they see that fire in his eyes I'm telling you folks the world is in turmoil and when they see us as believers they don't need to see us wringing our hands going oh God what are we going to do it's time for us to get a backbone instead of a wishbone 
It's time for us to stand up and say, God, I trust you. I don't know what's going on, but I know you're in control. And I believe that you're going to bring good out of what the enemy meant for evil. I, I believe that you're going to give life where death was, was positioned. And so David goes out after the enemy. But first, he talked to God. Can I ask you a question? You don't have to honk your horn on this one, but let me just ask you a question. How many of you have ever gone and done something and you never even asked God about it? Oh, go ahead and honk your horn. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I figured. We've all done it, haven't we? We, all, we get worked up and we go, oh, there's a, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we act on our own. And when we act on our own, we always end up falling on our face, don't we? When I was a little boy, we used to go into Elgin to go shopping. And right now, I just like to go anywhere to go shopping. But we would, we would go to Elgin, and, and I'll never forget they had, you know, there, there were the big buildings, and, and I was just a little boy, and Dad would, and I was so enthralled with what was around me that I wasn't paying attention to what was in front of me. And so there were times that I, I tripped and fell because I wasn't paying attention. And Dad had a plan. And if I followed his plan, I was always okay. What dad would do is when it got time to cross the street, he'd go snap his fingers, wave his hand at me, and just not without even thinking about it, I slipped my hand up in his hand. And he'd start walking me across that street. And do you know what I was doing while he was walking me across the street? I wasn't looking at all the cars that were a threat. I wasn't looking at all the potholes in the road. I wasn't looking at everything that could take me out. I was enjoying my journey. I was looking up at all the buildings and the skyscrapers. And I, I was looking at birds flying because I knew I wouldn't fall because my father had my hand. He said that I'll never leave you or forsake you, but I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. If you think, mom, if you think you love your kids, you need to understand that you can't begin to love them the way that God loves them. And I know you love your children. David goes out to battle and when he goes out to battle now look he's got 600 men but two of them 200 of them get so tired that they have to stay at a, a place and camp out there because they they're too tired to go forward but David keeps going he is so far outnumbered as far as it looks in the natural but how many of you know if God's with you that's the majority and so he goes into battle and he fights that battle. And the Bible said, let me read this for you. This is 1 Samuel 30 and verse 19. Nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David recovered it all. Somebody say it with me. David recovered it all. 
This means war. You don't want to allow the enemy to come in and just take your family apart. You don't allow him to come in and just snatch everything away from you. You've got to have your mind made up that this means war. Let me end with this today. There's a story of man. How many of you have heard of Lester Summerall? Lester Summerall was a missionary, a minister uh, in the early parts of the, well, early to mid parts of the 1900s. And he had gone into a country and he was praying for a young girl that was possessed and he bound the spirit that was in her and cast it out. And then that evening when he got back to his room, he was laying in the bed and the bed was up against the wall. And all of a sudden the bed started to vibrate and honestly, Lester said, man, he said, I, I thought, what's going on? And he said, and it just started bouncing. And before he realized what had happened, that bed had bounced out into the middle of that room. And then Lester Summerall realized that the spirit he'd cast out of that girl was trying to intimidate him. He said, I stood up in the middle of that bed and said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And he said, and that bed stopped. He said, I laid back down and started to go back to sleep. And he said, but then I started thinking about something. He said, I thought, wait a minute. Before that spirit came into this room, before that demon showed up in this room, my bed was against that wall. Now he's put it out in the middle of this floor. He said, I got aggravated. I stood up in the middle of that bed and said, in the name of Jesus, get back in here. He said, that bed started bouncing again. And he said, he stood up and said, now in the name of Jesus, you put it back where you found it. And all of a sudden that bed started bouncing back, went up against that wall and that thing left. Quit letting the devil destroy your family, tear it apart and then leave and leave you in the shambles. This means war, my friend. It's time for us to declare devil you're going to put it back where you found it in the name of Jesus we claim victory come on and sing it now
I'm free. 